Well, good morning. My name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here at Redeeming Grace. It's good to, to gather with you this morning. Uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, I just encourage you to go pick one up today. Uh, we have some in the back by the sound booth. They're also on the tables where the communion elements are. If you don't own a Bible, take that home with you. We'd love to give that to you as a gift. We want you to have God's word uh, in your hands throughout the week. So please feel free to take one of those. Uh, Kathy's going to read our scripture text for today. So listen to the word of the Lord. Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 to 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, in pain you shall bring forth children. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, you are God and you are good. You are faithful and you are true. You are in the heavens and you do all that you please. God, we pray that you would be glorified now as we open up your word. God, as your word is preached, give us a, a grand vision of you and what living life in your world looks like. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd give us ears to hear and eyes to see. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. I was at an airport recently uh, traveling to and from a conference in Louisville, Kentucky. And if you've ever flown before, you know that when you're in the airport, the music that's playing in the background is often interrupted by some kind of announcement. It might be the repetitive pre-recorded announcement about unattended baggage, or there's always the announcements that come on by gate agents to let you know something about some particular flight. Now, the pre-recorded announcements about unattended baggage, we quickly ignore and dismiss and tend not to pay much attention to. But when the gate agent comes on, we start to listen, see, is this relevant to me, to my flight? And the moment we find out it isn't, we tune that out as well. We're in the middle of our Origins sermon series a series where we are looking at Genesis 1 through 3 and seeing how God intended for us to live life in his world. And today, we're going back to a few key verses. And what we're going to look at today, try to understand, is what it means to be fruitful and multiply. And as we'll see, that has to do with several different things, but one key aspect of this command is having and raising kids. Today, also in God's providence, is Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to the moms out here. But here's where I don't want you to tune out. Before you shut your notebook or open up your phone, if you're not a mom or not yet a mom, don't have kids, here's where I, I don't want you to think that this text, that this part of scripture doesn't pertain to you or apply to you. Because what we'll see is from this text and others is that this is important. It's applicable for all people, men and women in all life stages and all circumstances. We also want to talk about this today because the topics of marriage, pregnancy, babies are complicated and emotional in our culture. We've seen that even just this week 
with the leaked Supreme Court opinion. Now, because of that, it can be hard to know what to say as followers of Jesus. It can be hard to know how to talk about these things. But listen, I want us to remember something. Even as we walk through this today and as we talk about this in the days ahead, I want us to remember something really important as we think about going out into the world with a truth like this. People are not the enemy. People are not the enemy. There's a significant, significant difference of worldview, of how we engage the world, what we think about the world. Our worldview is rooted in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. It's rooted in a text like the one we're going to look at today. Others in culture, our neighbors, their worldview isn't rooted there. It's rooted somewhere different. And so we have an opportunity, an opportunity not to take a victory lap, but to lean in and listen, to be gracious and patient. And many of our neighbors, and maybe even some of you, are not in that same starting place, but the truth of this text will help ground us with a grand vision of God's design for life in his world. Something we can be encouraged by as followers of Jesus, and I hope humbly share with others as well. Listen, my hope today is by spending time in this text is that you'll be encouraged no matter where you're at in life, no matter where you're at on your spiritual journey, that you'll be encouraged to see how the gospel of grace, the gospel of Jesus can both empower you and envision you to see this creation command lived out in your life and the lives of others to the glory of God and for the good of the world. So let's jump into Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And may God bless the preaching of his word this morning. To help us understand and apply the truth of this text, I want us to answer three questions this morning. First, what does it mean to be fruitful and multiply? Second, how has sin affected this calling? And lastly, where and how does the gospel come into play? So let's start with the first question. What does it mean to be fruitful and multiply? Before we can answer this question, we really need to understand this, the context this, this command is given in, and it's a twofold context. First, this command is given in the context of the man and the woman being made in the image of God. And this key truth has worked and weaved its way throughout this sermon series because it's so important. It's such a big deal. To be made in the image of God is to be like God, to be similar to God, but not be God. It means that we're meant to live life with him under his good authority in order to reflect and represent him in the world. Second, this command is given in the context of marriage. The man and the woman are joined together in marriage as husband and wife. We see this more explicitly in chapter 2. If you flip over to chapter 2, verse 24, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So that's the context that this command is given in, made in the image of God and in the context of marriage. So what does it mean then to be fruitful and multiply? Well, the overarching idea is to procreate and populate the whole world with more image bearers. To populate the whole world with more image bearers. And with that comes the cultivation of the world under God's kindly rule. It's the making of culture. Culture doesn't exist apart from people. And so this is a creation mandate. God gave this as a part of his good creation before sin entered the world, which means that this call and command to be fruitful and multiply is good. That also means that even now, if you have a desire to be married, a desire to have kids, that's a good desire. It's a God-given desire. 
God gives this call and command to Adam and Eve in the garden, but now we, as God's people, have the privilege and joy of joining them and seeing this command fulfilled. We get to be a part of creating culture. We get to be a part of populating the world with more image bearers. I mean, it's amazing that God invites us into this. Have you ever thought about this? God doesn't need us to do this. He, he could have created more people just like he did with Adam and Eve. But he allows us, as his image bearers, to be a part of the creation process of more image bearers. And when you stop and think about, stop and think about what that entails, it's, it's mind-boggling. I mean, the concept of conception is insane if you really stop to think about what's going on. The creativity, the intimacy of it all is worship-inducing. Two finite people, a man and a woman, physically unite, and through that, where life was not, life now is. So this is not merely biological. It's a transcendent phenomenon that should leave us in awe and wonder whether we've been a participant in this glorious process or just an observer of its outcome. It's insane that God allows us to be a part of that. What this means is, is that every time a new human being is conceived, doesn't matter what they look like, doesn't matter what country or place that they're from, every time a new human being is conceived and subsequently brought into this world, we are seeing Genesis 128 lived out before our very eyes. But let's not also miss that bringing about life is only the beginning of fulfilling this command, not the completion of it. To be fruitful and multiply is to bring about more image bearers who now live life in God's world. That means to be faithful to this command even now requires that we care for and cultivate both the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual life of these little boys and girls who will grow up to be men and women living life in God's world. Helping them to thrive, to grow, to understand who they are and who God is, to reflect and represent him for his glory and the good of others. Now this is the call. This is the command given to our first parents. It's good. But as we saw last week, Adam and Eve didn't stay true to what God told them to do and not to do. Instead, they were taken in by a lie from the enemy. This lie that they didn't need God, but could be God. And so they chose to reject God and his authority for their lives. They chose to chart out on their own way in a seeming effort of independence. They willfully rebelled. And through that, they plunged all of humanity and the world into sin. And the consequences of their rebellion was catastrophic. It affected every sphere of life, including this command. So with that, with sin entering in the world, was that the end of this command? To be fruitful and multiply. Well, no, when sin enters the world, God doesn't stop the reproduction process. I mean, God could have made Adam and Eve sterile in that moment. Said, nope, we're done not doing this, but he doesn't. See, God's plan for a planet populated by image bearers, it's still at work even after sin enters the world. Why? Because all that is good in God's world doesn't go away. It just becomes distorted. So that leads to our next question. How has sin affected this calling to be fruitful and multiply? Well, the most immediate thing we can see in Genesis 1 through 3 is that now it'll be a painful process. Flip over to chapter 3, verse 16. Kathy read this verse. In 
God giving the consequences for rebellion, the consequences for sin, he says to the woman, verse 16, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Now, I don't know if this means that there was no pain and no difficulty with pregnancy and childbearing before sin entered the world. I mean, that sounds nice. I don't know if that's the case. It seems almost my, I mean, like, how could that actually be real? But I think it has to be the case because pain and suffering and difficulty are a result of sin. But at a minimum, what we know is that because of sin, multiplying will now mean multiplied pain. It also means that the pains and difficulties of pregnancy and bearing children that women have experienced throughout time up until today are directly related to the sin of our first parents. Their rebellion brought brokenness into the world. Now we can translate the word pain here to mean painful toil. Not just physical pain, but the process of working can be painful. So this isn't just about the physical pain of pregnancy or the physical pain of birth, but the totality of mothering. Now, obviously we know that all of it is not bad because God is a God of grace. And pregnancy and birth and mothering are all beautiful things and joyous blessings. There is much, much grace in them. But they're also very difficult. And they deeply affect a woman in every way, physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. We see this as the brokenness of the world, or the brokenness of sin comes into the world, it, it breaks down even to the level of the individual in something like this. But the distortion that comes through sin as it relates to this command doesn't stop there. It reaches, reaches its tentacles even further. And we see and experience this even in our own community. Men and women, who desire to get pregnant, to have a family, but have or are experiencing infertility or have suffered through miscarriage. Others have lost a spouse through death and are now single parents. Some have experienced the breakdown of a family through divorce or abandonment. Some desire to get married, but it hasn't happened. All those things are really, really hard. And all those things remind us that things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. And if you're one of those people, I want you to know, as we heard, as Kylie even prayed this morning, God sees you. And God cares for you. And we want to see you and we want to care for you as well as God's people. But that's not it. We can also look at our wider culture and see the breakdown, the distortion, the difficulty of sin and this command manifesting itself in other ways some of which are beginning to creep into the church. Recently, it was reported that the birth rate in the United States is at an all-time low. An all-time low. Why is that? Why, why is there a growing thought, a growing feeling in, and especially in Western culture, of not wanting to get married or wanting to have kids? Well, there could be all kinds of reasons, and there are a lot of factors and reasons given. Things like the cost of, of rearing a child is, is expensive, or the state of the world and all that's going on around us. Some even think it'd be irresponsible to bring a child into a world with its brokenness and breakdown. For some, they just, they just don't want to. It could be for a lot of different reasons, because of career or lifestyle. But I wonder if a lot of this comes from a misunderstanding of this mandate given by God before sin entered the world and a misalignment of the heart. 
See, what I mean by that is that the idea of being fruitful and multiplying is seen either as antiquated or it's just a suggestion, not a command, which means it can be rejected. Coupled with that is a heart that's prone to see self triumph over sacrifice. See self triumph over sacrifice. Because being a parent is indeed a sacrificial dying to self in almost every way imaginable. And man, the enemy loves this. The enemy can't attack God, but he can attack God's image bearers and the multiplication of them. Now, while I don't see this as a dominant thought in the church or even our church right now, I do think it's coming. It's going to creep in more and more into God's people. So how can we approach this? How can we encourage one another in this to see this command from the very beginning as good and glorious? Well, I think it involves a recasting of the vision of how great and glorious it actually is. Yes, this world is jacked up. It's a total mess. But there's still good to be done. And part of that is getting married. And part of that is having kids, even as challenging as that can be. God's image is marred in each and every one of us, but we all still bear God's image. If we go to Jeremiah chapter 29, we read verse 11 earlier today. In Jeremiah chapter 29, God's people are in exile. They've rebelled against God and God sent them off in exile because of their sin. And so they're wrestling with what do I do now to live life in this world? And this is what Jeremiah says to them in Jeremiah chapter 29, verses six and seven. He says to them in the midst of their exile, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. What Jeremiah is saying is keep, keep multiplying, keep being fruitful and multiplying, keep seeing the image of God expand. Brothers and sisters, it's a good desire to get married. It's a good desire to have kids. It's good to be faithful to this calling. Now that doesn't mean you need to have as many kids as you possibly can. What it means is that we can lean into God's guidance and lean into God's leading by the Spirit. Seek to walk in obedience to this good command for our own lives, for our own good, for the good of others, for the flourishing of humanity and society, and ultimately for the glory of God. Now, again, I know some of you are not in the place of not wanting to have kids, but are eager for it, either for marriage or for children. I'm grateful for you. I know this is hard for you. I know this is hard for you, but I don't want you to lose hope. There's grace to be had and grace to be given by you and to you. Listen, the creation command to be fruitful and multiply has not been rescinded, but it is significantly more difficult to achieve in the way that God intended. That's where we have to remember who our God is. Sin has fractured both the ability and the desire to carry out this creation mandate. But you know what? God redeems what sin has broken, including this call to be fruitful and multiply. And he does so through the gospel of grace. So where and how does the gospel come into play with this command? Well, if we go back to Genesis 3, we see it in two ways. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Again, God giving the consequences for sin in the midst of that and speaking to the serpent, he says this, Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity, enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What's going on here? 
In the midst of outright willful disobedience and rebellion, God gives grace. He comes to the woman and the man and he tells them things will not always be this way. Yes, childbearing and child rearing will be difficult and painful. And Adam and Eve would certainly experience that in their own lives. Their first two children that are born to them, one kills the other one. There's difficulty for them. They experience this pain, but he also, through the bearing of children, will come salvation and redemption. Look at verse 20 of chapter 3. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. See, when it says that Eve is the mother of all living, that's obviously in a physical sense that every person descends from her. She's the first mom in the world. But also with that comes life spiritually. That all who will be born again to a living hope will come through her as, as well. Why? Because it's through her that the redeemer and restorer will be born. Now to help us connect the dots here, I'm going to step out on a limb here, take a little bit of a risk and wade into a controversial and confusing verse in the New Testament. Always a good idea, right? Because in do, doing that, I, I think we'll see the beauty of how the gospel of grace comes into play. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. The apostle Paul writes this, yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. And this is confusing. There's been a lot of debate about this. It can create anger and frustration. Like what, are you saying women are only saved because they give birth to kids? But here's where pronouns are important. Notice it says she. Who's the she? Well, immediately preceding this verse, Paul is talking about not women in general, but one woman, Eve. She, Eve, will be saved from her rebellion. She'll be saved from her sin. She'll be saved from all the brokenness it brought into this world, including the difficulty and pain of bearing and raising kids. How? By bearing a son many generations later who will be for her own salvation. Jesus alone is the promised seed of Eve who will crush the serpent and sin that he introduced into the world. The savior of the world comes from a long line of sinners and rebels to save those sinners and rebels. How did he do this? He did it by living a perfect life of obedience. You and I are called to live. He did so by going to a cross to die in the place for people like you and like me. See, through one man came death, but through one man comes life in and through Jesus. Galatians chapter four, verses four and five, the apostle Paul again says, but when the fullness of time had come, when it was time for Genesis 3.15 to be fulfilled, God sent forth his son born of woman, born under the law. To do what? To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption. When you place your hope in him, when you place your trust in Jesus, believing that he alone can save you from your sin, you will receive forgiveness and freedom, life now and forever. You will be adopted into God's family. You'll become a son and daughter of God. And listen, if you haven't yet placed your faith in Jesus, if you're searching, if you're seeking, if you're wondering who God is or what it means to have a relationship with him, it's found in Christ. Turn away from your sin and rebellion and place your hope in him and you'll become a part of God's family too. See, God called our first parents to be fruitful and multiply. They did this, but not without the overbearing effect of sin. But through Christ, this command has been and is being redeemed. First and foremost, by us being adopted in to God's family. 
but also it plays out in practical ways in our life here and now. How so? How can we see a redeemed view of this command even now? Well, first, let me speak to the moms in the room. After all, it is Mother's Day. My wife, Amy, was hanging out with Katie Bricker recently. I asked Katie if I could share this story, and she said yes. Katie was sharing with Amy about her own story of coming to faith in Christ. You know how God brought her to the end of herself to see her need for a savior? It was through being a new mom with a very, very colicky baby. Now, for those of you that know Katie, she's a very capable woman, but God broke her down and he showed her her weakness that she couldn't do this on her own. She became desperate for God and desperate for grace. And in and through the painful toil of childbearing, she herself was born again. And mothering is hard, hard work. It's hard to be a faithful mom, no matter how, how many kids you have, no matter how old they are. And I know this because I'm married to one. And I see my wife day in and day out. Loving and serving and caring for our kids. She's not even here this morning because one of them is at home sick. And I see her fighting for faith and fighting for joy along the way. For Amy, she didn't become a Christian through having kids, but man, it's led her to plumb the depths of her need for salvation and grace. She would often beat herself up over her anger, her frustration with our kids. Newsflash, they're not perfect. She'd listen to the lies of the enemy who told her she wasn't good enough as a mom, that she was failing. The painful toil was and is overwhelming at times. But together and in community, she kept running to our risen Savior to be reminded that he is with her and he is for her and he's going to finish the good work that he's begun in her. And he's going to do so through her being a mom. She too, in some regards, is saved through childbearing in the sense that she became more acutely aware of her need for the seed of Eve, for the serpent and sin crusher to save and sanctify her, to make her more and more like Jesus to help her do what the, rest of Paul, what the rest of that verse says that Paul writes, to help her continue in faith, in love, and holiness with self-control. You know what? Through that, she's had lots of opportunities to, to extend grace and share encouragement with some of our neighbors who are moms who don't yet know Jesus. My guess is Katie and Amy aren't alone. Mothering is a sanctifying endeavor. Being a dad is a sanctifying endeavor. I know that because it's been one of the most sanctifying things in my own life. And if you're a single parent, it's especially sanctifying. It's so sacrificial in so many ways. So whether you're a parent now or will be in the future, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for all you do as you seek to love and care for your kids. God is honored by that. And I want to encourage you, moms and dads, in two ways. First, your identity, hear me on this, your identity is not wrapped up in your role as a mom or a dad. It's a part of who you are. It's a significant part of who you are, but it does not define you. 
You are first and foremost an adopted child of God. You are first and foremost a son and a daughter. You are a redeemed sinner, now saint, who is set apart by faith and grace for good works that God prepared beforehand for you to walk in. And part of that includes being a parent. You have failed and you will fail. But there is grace upon grace and mercy and help for you in time of need. And man, we all need some of that in our parenting. Jesus died and rose again to cover your sin and cover your shame, even in parenting. So don't beat yourself up. Instead, second encouragement, keep running to Jesus. Now, for those of you with littles, I know this is hard. When somebody says, hey, spend more time with Jesus, right? Like just dive into his word. And you're like, when, how? I, I, I already get up really early. I don't know if 3 a.m. is going to work for me. Man, let me just encourage you, find sometimes something, even if it's just one verse. Even if you have to go into the bathroom for 30 seconds and lock the door, they'll be okay outside, I promise. Maybe it's in a, in when you're taking a shower, if and when you get to take one of those. Just spend some time meditating on God's word, just grabbing onto something to remind you of who he is and who you are in Christ. Allow God's word to be read over you, playing it in your house or listening to worship music, something that's going to redirect your mind and your heart and your gaze back to Jesus. And you can pray, pray without ceasing. Doesn't have to be long prayers, but just anything, just coming before the Lord, communing with him. Keep running after Jesus. Now, for those of you with older kids, the challenges are different for you when it comes to running after Jesus and pursuing him. You can take all the showers you want. There's different, there's different challenges. Some of you are experiencing those in a, an acute way. Maybe the pain of a child who isn't walking with the Lord. That's really hard too. But let me encourage you, keep going to God. Keep praying, keep patiently pursuing your kids with the same grace and the same love you've been given in and through Jesus. And for all of us as parents, don't believe the lies of the enemy. Repent where necessary but keep fighting for faith. Keep fighting for joy as you strive to be faithful. Let me encourage you, let others into that as well. Let others help you in this. We're not meant to do this by ourselves. And then take the grace that you've received and keep giving it to your kids. You are being faithful to carry out the good command to be fruitful and multiply now in a redeemed way. So may the joy of the Lord be your strength in doing that. For others of us, there's something for us in this too. Husbands and dads, I know I already said parenting is hard for you too, but there's something unique about being a mom. So let me encourage you to be the biggest encourager and co-labor with your wife. Run to Jesus with her, remind her again and again who she is in Christ. I think the enemy acutely attacks wives and women in their identity in this area. And as husbands, we can come along and help them with that. Pray for her, serve her as she serves you and your family. And for those that are dealing with infertility or miscarriage, I know how hard a day like this can be. One, about the topic, but also that it's Mother's Day. And we've been there, Amy and I have been there. We experienced infertility for a time. It's hard to go another month with another negative pregnancy test and at the same time hearing of another friend who tells you she's pregnant. And I want to encourage you 
to also run to Jesus for comfort and peace. Cast your burdens on him, knowing that he cares for you. I don't know exactly why this is your story, but I trust the God who's writing it. I know for us, God used infertility in our own lives in a pretty significant way. At that point in time, we were in ministry, but we felt like God was leading us to step away from where we were at and to move away for a season to go finish up seminary and figure out what in the world he wanted us to do with our lives. And we had been wrestling with and struggling with infertility. And so God moved us to Louisville, Kentucky, where we spent some time there and We're in a healthy church and a healthy environment to learn more about what it meant to be a pastor and planter and all those kinds of things. And I believe God used that season in our lives to bring us back to Fairfax, to plant and pastor Sojourn Church for almost 10 years and now be a part of Redeeming Grace Church. I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure that we wouldn't have moved there. We wouldn't have done that if we already had kids. But God used that in our life in that season He was at work in our story and he's at work in your story too. And for some of you, I know he's used it to lead you to adopt or to foster kids. And that is also a wonderful way to carry out this command to be fruitful and multiply in a redeemed way. I love that our church has a culture of adoption. I love that it has a culture of foster care. I want to see that grow more and more. That's the way we can be faithful to see this carried out. So if you're dealing with infertility or miscarriage, let me also encourage you to let others into your pain. We want to rejoice with those who rejoice when they find out that they're having a baby, but we also, we also want to weep with those who weep when they find out that they're not. And I also wonder this morning if there isn't somebody here who's recently find out, found out that they are pregnant. And instead of this being a source of excitement, it's a source of fear. It feels more like a crisis than a blessing. If that's you, will you let somebody know? Don't do that on your own. There's a room full of people that love to come alongside you and encourage you, help you. For those that would like to be married and have kids, I know this can also be difficult. You hear a command like this and you want to be faithful to God's word, but God hasn't brought you a spouse. So let me say again, it's a good desire to want to be married. It's a good desire to want to have kids. Let people into that longing too. Let us journey with you in the pain of waiting and in prayer for God's will for your life. But I also don't want you to think you have to wait to be faithful to this command until that day. See, when Jesus came to redeem and restore through the cross and through the resurrection, he also came to create a new people, a new family. At one point in time, Jesus is teaching and spending time with His disciples and his mom and his siblings think that what he's doing is kind of crazy. And so they come to get him. You know how Jesus responds to that? He says, Matthew 12, 50, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. The creation command is not only still in effect, but now it's expanded. Now in and through Jesus, we can be faithful to the call to be fruitful and multiply, not only physically, but spiritually. Seeing people cross from death to life to be adopted into God's family with us. That means that through evangelism and discipleship, we can be faithful to be fruitful and multiply, to carry out this command regardless of our marital status or parental status. And I've seen this happen by so many people in our church, single men and women engaged in community and parenting with the parents of this church. Coming alongside and saying, hey, I'm here to help. I wanna jump in, I wanna help, I wanna encourage, I wanna challenge. One person in particular who's done this with my family is Christina Shaw. She comes to my kids' baseball games. 
She comes over for dinner. She spends time with us. She engages in life together with us. She's a dear sister who would love to be married, love to be a mom. She's led us into that, but she's not waiting around to be faithful to this creation calling. She's seeking to live it out in a redeemed way. So if you're married and have kids, invite single men and women into your life and into your family. And if you're single, pursue and invite families into yours. Brothers and sisters, I want us to have a a grand vision for seeing this command to be fruitful and multiply, lived out in a redeemed way in our community. Together as the family of God, whether you're in high school or college, single or married, with kids or without, older with grandkids or older without grandkids or somewhere in between, let's celebrate marriage. Let's celebrate babies in our church, whether they're our own or others. Let's celebrate that in our world, knowing that it's good for human flourishing and it's honoring to God. And I love the liveliness of our church. There's lots of littles running around. We're growing organically. That's good. We should celebrate that. Praise God for that. And now together we can help one another grow to know the gospel and live out its implications. We together can be a part of cultivating a Christ-like culture, not through the removal of ourselves from the world, but learning how to be in the world and not of it. Bringing the influence and word of our king and his kingdom. Sin has messed up our lives and our world, but God redeems what our sin has broken. In and through Jesus, we can be faithful to see the image of God redeemed and restored and multiplied in our church and among our neighbors and the nations. So let's help one another. Let's encourage and exhort one another, no matter where we are in life, to be faithful to that calling and to that end for the glory of God and the good of others. Amen.